welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond, where we share our enjoyment and experiences of language learning with you. I'm Beck. Hi, I'm Penny. And in today's episode of Language Chats, we have got a special guest joining us. Um, I'm very excited to have Michelle Froller from The Intrepid Guide coming to Language Chats. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Penny. Hi, Beck. How are you going? Yeah, really well, really well. Thanks for joining us. I'm real. I'm wrapped to be here. I'm so happy to be here. Um, it's uh, it's a real pleasure, especially because you know Melbourne, Australia, where you guys are based, is where I'm from and where it all started for me. So it's uh, it's nice to be able to speak with both of you and yeah, it's all your listeners back home because uh, I'm based in London now. So yeah, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now we're really we're really thrilled to talk to you and. Um, Beck and I, and I probably like heaps of other um, language chat listeners and language lovers out there, have probably been following you and your account for a little while now. How did the Intrepid Guide come about? Where did this all start for you? Um, it's a little bit of a, a long story, but I can't just tell part of it. So I'll have to go back to the beginning. Um, so I am the daughter of an Italian immigrant. So my dad uh, came over from um, the region of Puglia in Italy when he was four years old. So he moved to Australia, immigrated after the Second World War with his family. I came over on a boat, as many people did. Um, And, yeah, when he grew up and he got married and married my mum and had myself and my two older sisters. Um, And for the... (sighs) Went back during my whole childhood. I would go and visit my um, my nonno, my grandfather in Italian. Um, at a very early age, my nonno, my grandmother passed away, but I remember the funeral, um, which is strange in itself because I was only like two or three years old. Um, but I grew up visiting my nonno very often with my dad. Um, but the problem is, is that I couldn't communicate with him because he only spoke Italian, he didn't speak English, and because they were based in Carlton, which, as you know, is the Italian hotspot, um, it's a massive Italian community, there was no need for him to learn English. So I found it a bit of a challenge to speak with him, and I was named after him too. So my name is Michele Frolla, which is actually basically Michael in Italian. My dad had the brilliant idea of naming me after my grandfather because in Australia no one really knows that that's an Italian name, that it's, you know, a masculine name and people just pronounce it Michelle. Um, And I just felt like I had this special bond and connection with him even though we couldn't communicate. Like we sort of communicated in just looking at each other or cuddling and I don't know, like I, I could just feel the connection that I had with him whenever I saw him but it really gutted me that I couldn't speak to him and my dad didn't teach us Italian because he spoke a dialect um, from Puglia, a tiny little village in Puglia, and he would have arguments as Italians do with their family, you know, not um, serious arguments but debates, I guess, about what he should teach. And so it just sort of never came to fruition that he taught myself or my sisters Italian. So it wasn't until I was about 17 that my nonno actually passed away and it was just like the flick of a switch. I'm just like, I've got to do something about this. Like I really want to learn Italian. Um, And so I started to sort of 
seek out resources and ways that I could learn Italian, almost like a tribute, tribute to him and, and, and to try and get to know him a bit better and his country and where he came from and what he had gone through, like the things that I couldn't ask him. Um, so it started off slowly but surely, you know, started with a little travel phrase book, just lying in bed and flicking through the pages thinking, wow, how do people learn languages? And then by that point, um, I had finished high school and I was going to university and I seeked out um, an Italian evening class that I went to. So I went to an evening class that was only running once a week. Um, so I did that and the more, it just sort of spiralled from there. I just got more and more intimate the more that I wanted, the more that I was exposed to the language and I was learning about it, the more I wanted to to learn about it. It just was a massive snowball effect. So yeah, um, I started, uh, I found another class in up in the city where I was working. So that was at CAE, which is in just off to Graves Lane. Um, and then I found the uh, CIS, uh, the uh, Centre of Italian Studies, I think it's called, uh, in Carlton. And I went there for a few years up until the point that I decided to move to Rome and take my B1 to B2, C1 and beyond. So it just sort of it happened like that. <laughs> and that's kind of a condensed version, but generally the gist of what happened and how I got into learning languages. And and so Michelle, how did like that that's I I love your story. I think it's such a nice such a nice progression from, you know, wanting really wanting to have a connection with your heritage language or a a heritage language in your family and then really taking it completely on your own to learning learning very much independently and so much so that you could then travel overseas with your language and live in Italy um but how how did you go from there to the intrepid guide oh yeah that's the original question wasn't it (laughs) so (laughs) sorry but this is where it all started because, like, I can't tell that story without telling. I can't tell this story without telling that story. So I I lived in in Rome, as I said, for the next three years, and I had to leave uh, for visa reasons because I can't get an Italian passport. That's another story. Uh, and then I eventually moved to London, where I am now, and I was continuing my job in IT as a web designer. And I was just missing that element of language because in London, even though there are lots of different pockets and communities and cultures and languages all around me all the time, I just missed the the contact, the everyday contact on a daily basis, you know, and speaking Italian. And by then I had travelled so much in Italy that I wanted to bring the two together a bit more and, and talk a bit a bit talk a bit more about how language can help you travel better and enrich your travel experiences Um, and one day I overheard someone in the office jokingly say oh and it wasn't even to me it was to someone else he said oh you know you should start a blog you know just set it up and you know make some videos and turn it into a business and I'm like what are you talking about like I didn't I didn't even know what a blog was really and I'm like what are you talking about so I pulled him aside and he sort of you know told me a little bit about it and gave me some resources to look into and yeah within within two months I had just set up the site um you know registered the domain set up the site 
but I wasn't quite sure what direction I was going to take it in. All I knew was that I wanted to write about languages, language learning and travelling and then try and find a way to bring them together a bit more. Um, and that sort of led me down the path of creating like free travel phrase guides, so sort of helping people and travellers get their foot in the door a little bit more with a local you know, with the local language and, um, you know, not taking it for granted or just assuming that everyone speaks English, but also to help them find the pleasure in being able to communicate in another language and what that can really do for you, you know, personally, but also as you're traveling around and moving around and interacting with people, that buzz that you get, even if it's like broken, you know, broken Italian or broken French or whatever it is, there's a lot of pleasure to be had by, uh, being able to converse with someone else in their native language. So that's how it basically started. Um, the name The Intrepid Guide comes from the fact that when I was living in Rome, I had, as you do, lots of friends and family came to visit me and I would take them around and show them my favourite places and because I just loved learning about Roman history and all the places that are in Rome, like it's just a melting pot of so much information that just blew my mind that I couldn't help but share it. I wanted to share that with, you know, whoever came to visit me and I would act like their guide almost and they would say to me, oh, Michelle, you should be a guide. Like, oh, I'd love that, you know. (laughs) And it's like I find a lot of pleasure in sharing that information and that's sort of how the name came about, the Intrepid Guide. Um, And I just sort of wanted to, to touch on what it was like for me back in the days when I was living in Rome but also now that when I go traveling I want to take people with me it's not about me it's about the place that I go and I want to share information about that place and make it you know exciting and enjoyable for people to to hear about and learn about and want to go there and experience themselves oh wow that just sounds sounds so amazing and you've done a really amazing job with the intrepid guide um and I know that the languages that you feature, I mean, there's a huge range of um, phrase books and, and kind of travel language tips that people can get on your website. And I mean, apart from Italian, um, I think if I jumped on now, I could probably see a whole big long list, but I know Norwegian and Finnish and Hindi, I think I saw recently, and probably yeah. a zillion others. How, how do you kind of, I guess, choose what, you know, languages that you want to share with other people or what travel destinations you choose to to go to is there something that you're drawn to that's you know um roman history roman history-esque or or is it kind of unrelated to that and you're you're a, a wide traveler throughout europe yeah well i mean especially in the early days of the blog i would focus more on the languages and the countries that I had travelled to. So they would feature first, just as I was like finding my feet in my groove with what I wanted the my site to be and what I wanted it to, how I wanted people to perceive it and, and be known for. So I definitely started off with um, uh, Italian travel phrase guide, uh, then French, and then, yeah, just sort of grew from there. And it was just whenever I went to a country, I'd make sure that it would have an accompanying um, travel phrase guide but now I mean there are so many places that I haven't been to yet like I uh, unfortunately haven't traveled much around Asia if at all um, but I don't want to exclude including those languages because I know other people have been there I'm still very much 
still getting to know Europe. <laughs> just, so I do have a lot of uh, European language um, guides that are feature on my site. But I, it's just sort of where I'm a very emotional person, I guess. So whenever I go to a place and if I have an emotional connection to it in some way, it usually means that I want to learn the language as well as a way of deepening my connection with that place and getting to know it a bit better. So, for example, um, uh, I went to Egypt uh, a couple of years ago and that was a lifelong dream since I was yeah, about nine years old when my uncle had come back from a trip to Egypt and had brought back um, some hieroglyphics. And I'm like, oh, you know, like it would be amazing to go there. And, you know, with the things that were going on there, it wasn't the best time to travel, but I finally went and leading up to that trip, I wanted to make sure that I could learn some Arabic and be able to, you know, connect with people and converse because I, I definitely wasn't assuming anyone could speak English even though I was going there as part of a tour that was organised, I still wanted to learn the language. So that's how I sort of look at any trip now is that I, if I know that I've already got some sort of a connection with the country, I want to learn the language beforehand um, to sort of prepare myself and get the most out of it. But for cases like Norway, like I went there for the first time about five years ago, I think, um, and I had – no idea it was going to blow me away like it did. Like the nature is incredible. The people were lovely. Um, I had a wonderful time and I went back the following year in a different season because Norway is sort of one of those places where you have to see it in winter and you have to see it in summer. It's polar opposites in terms of what you can do there and the experience that you have. And I decided that I wanted to learn Norwegian. So that's what I've been focusing on now for the past yeah, over a year now is learning Norwegian and I love it. Um, and, yeah, I feel like for me personally and maybe other people that are considering learning a language or or have thought that maybe oh, I should learn Spanish because, you know, for whatever reason it's um, a popular language to learn, it's very useful. But if there's no emotion there, then it's harder to retain that information when you're learning a language. So I find that even though I would like to learn Spanish, I don't necessarily have a connection with Spain like I have with Norway or like I have with Italy um, and France as well, learning French. So I definitely wouldn't um, uh, don't, yeah, if you're listening and you're wondering about, you know, if you're struggling with a language, just see if there is like an emotional connection that you have with it because I find it makes it a lot easier because I almost became obsessed I guess when I was learning Italian I was just so into it I loved every minute of it there was never a dull moment um I just yeah I loved it so much and I wanted to move to Italy because I wanted even more (laughs) so I think it I think it's so interesting that you talk about this emotional connection between a language that you're learning and and even memory like having getting not only do you get more out of the experience because you have an emotional connection but also that you it, it, you're more because you're more connected to it you want to learn more and also mm. you remember more as well yeah, which is absolutely. a really a really good tip for lots of people because you're absolutely right like sometimes uh you know languages can have a bit of a flavor of the month type feel <laughs> like you know somebody says oh it's an easy you know this language is an easy one for English speakers to learn or this language is an easy one if you have already learnt you know, X language. Um, but really, if you don't have the, if you don't have some sort of connection, some reason, some some reason for coming back, 
then that you know the connect that feeling will pass yeah absolutely because language learning is just it just takes time you know there's no special pill it just takes time and patience and if you're not excited about it and if there's no emotional you know uh, connection with it then it just makes it all that more harder um Mm. to yeah to continue with sustaining sustaining the relationship (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly. Absolutely. It's a long, it's a long term relationship. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, would you would you say that Norwegian is your your second language love in life, Michelle? <laughs> um, French After is Italian? ah yes. French is actually yeah. I mean, I did love Norwegian, but oh, I'm just I've been looking into. Um, I mean, we're probably going to get to this later on, but I'm working on creating a French course at the moment, and it just makes me miss. Uh, that whole experience that I had when I started learning French and just listening to the language and just, I don't know, I find so much enjoyment just by looking at the characters. Just like I used to buy books even before I could read at a certain level in both Italian and French. I would just buy the books because I liked the way that the characters looked together. Like I'm a very visual person, I guess, as a designer. And I just thought, oh, it just looks beautiful. I'm going to buy this book. I just, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely love French. I love the way it sounds. It's, um, beautiful. Just like Italian is Norwegian is very different. Norwegian is, um, uh, more fascinating for me, I guess, from the connection that it has with English and how the Vikings, obviously they came, um, well, it wasn't England, well, yeah, England back then and influenced the English language. And there's so many similar words, um, and place names and how they left their mark on the English language. So I'm learning a lot about that now too. But it's a different kind of emotion, emotional connection that I have with Norwegian. I would say what I have with uh, Italian and French is I want to go and live there kind of emotion. Like I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you mentioned just then that you are setting up a French course and I know that you've recently um, set up a course for Italian learners as well. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how you I guess even began to work out how to design a course (laughs) Um, because for me that just oh that would be in my way too hard basket Um, but I'm also you know completely in awe of people like you that have been able to do it and pull it off successfully. And then I guess just a little bit about, is I mean, is the course designed for complete beginners or for people who have got this urge to travel and to live live in Italy or in France? Um, yeah, what's what's the, um, the target, I guess? Yeah, so, I mean, it was in my too hard to do bucket for a long time um, just because, you know, it's a big project. It's a big endeavour to take on, but... Um, with the whole COVID-19 happening and the world sort of shutting down a little bit, it sort of forced my hand a little bit and it just felt like the right time to do something that I'd been wanting to do for at least four years. Like it had been in the back of my mind and I just wasn't sure how to tackle it. And I'm like, let's just start small. I don't have to make the complete course yet. Let's just start small. Let's just get, you know, people's lips wet a little bit just with the language and introduce them slowly. So there is 
no assumed knowledge. So it goes right back to basics, even back to the basics of what a verb is. Because when I was learning Italian, like I didn't even have any of those basics. Like we just didn't learn that stuff in school. And mm. certain generations, they do remember having, you know, learning about grammar in English. But my generation definitely didn't have that. So I wanted just to assume that no one knew, no one knows anything about learning languages and just to go right back to basics. So, yeah, the course focuses on the typical travel scenarios and situations that you'll find yourself in. So on a regular basis, you'll be meeting new people. So you'll be greeting them. So how do you do that properly, correctly, formally, informally? You'll be buying tickets or entrance tickets to places. You know, how do you do that? You know, train tickets. Maybe you need to ask for directions. You know, you get lost. You need to ask someone on the street for directions or clarification about where something is. How do you do that? Um, you go into a shop or you go to a market, you want to buy something, you want to get a discount. How do you manage those situations? So all these sort of um, main areas I wanted to capture and pull out the most useful and reusable vocabulary and parts of the grammar that you can use again and again and repurpose for other scenarios and situations. So I didn't want there to be anything you know, sort of like extra fluff or things that you couldn't reuse again. Like I very much wanted it to be, you know, learn it once and you can use it multiple times. So that's the the general idea of the, the framework of the course. And then I've got um, native speakers helping out with creating conversations. So putting all these terms uh, and phrases and words into practice in conversations that you can listen to and then you become, uh, you can actually role play a little bit. So I've got audio where it's just one person talking and then you have to fill in what they would say. So it's sort of like a natural progression um, where you listen to the whole conversation, then I'll take away one character, then you start to practice that person's character and vice versa. So you can switch roles around a little bit. Um, so there's a lot of um, interaction as well as, you know, um, videos and audio content and exercises. So I wanted to sort of create uh, a mixture of ways that you can absorb the information in yeah, a fun way because language learning should be fun, right? Oh, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, good on you. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And, and interesting to have you teaching from a learner's perspective as well. Absolutely. And I guess that was sort of the fear for a long time, you know, sort of looking at other people who had created courses that, you know, had like a teaching background. But I'm like, but there's still something to be said for the learner from a learner's perspective that maybe a teacher has not experienced or maybe forgotten if they hadn't learned, haven't learned a, a foreign language before. Um, so, yeah, I sort of when I was creating the Italian course, I did a beta test and I tested it on on students that were completely new to the language um, and got some really good feedback. And I just, I just, um, yeah, I quite like teaching. I like that one-on-one and seeing their progression and how they, you know, it clicks and that it makes sense to them. So, yeah, there's definitely something to be said from teaching from the perspective of a learner and I think as a student too I think a lot of people do really relate because you as the teacher have potentially had the same challenges or struggles that they're currently having so you kind of you've got that um 
kind of this equal balance thing happening rather than teacher, native speaker, student, complete beginner imbalance. And not that it's a, you know, a negative thing, but yeah, I really, I really um, hear what you're saying there. I think it it's, um, can be really valuable for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's even like a more recent example is when I was trying to understand how Norwegians use the word yo, J-J-O. It comes up a lot, but a, a teacher hasn't been able to sort of really pinpoint what that is. But then I came across a video on YouTube where an American was explaining his understanding of the word yo. And I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. So there's definitely something to be said for even explaining those little filler words that a native may not be able to know exactly how you would replicate that in a target language. Or so, yeah, there's a lot of value there. I think too, you get there's there's different uh, definite pros and cons to get learning from uh, you know a native speaker or from a student. So yeah, you got to. It's, a, it's good to have a balance of both, I feel, because I, I definitely had a balance of both learning from other students and natives as well. And can anybody join your course um, at any time, Michelle? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so just at the moment uh, the Italian one is up and running and fingers crossed that I can finish the French one by the end of this month. I've been working really hard on it. Um, but yeah, if it's not the end of this month, it'll be the middle of July, but, uh, yeah, very soon. Very good. Keep us posted. (laughs) And we'll, we'll pop in the show notes, um, a link to Michelle's info, um, but also to the Italian course. So you can find that easily if you have been listening to her talk about it and you're like, yes, that is for me. That is exactly what I need for Italian. Yep. Amazing. So as I guess things start to slowly return to normal and our thoughts return to perhaps traveling again internationally um have you got any big kind of travel and language plans for the rest of this year or perhaps for 2021 yes i think for this year now that i'm sort of in the groove of creating these courses and i've got a bit of momentum behind me i want to focus the rest of this year on creating um, more language courses specifically for travel um, so yeah I would like to make one for Norwegian and Spanish and German um, and uh, just sort of continue down that road because I find it really enjoyable and then I think next year is when I'll pick back up with my travel plans um, I had a few trips this year that were obviously had to be cancelled but my big trip was supposed to be to the Faroe Islands uh, and I actually started learning a little bit of Faroese too. Um, yeah, resources are limited, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to get back into that. But that was going to be a month-long trip that I wanted to do around all of the islands of the Faroe Islands. So, yeah. Oh, hopefully that can be rescheduled for next year. That that sounds amazing. It does yeah. sound amazing. Well, I've already I've already uh, got a car hire that I just postponed until next year, so the car's ready. The <laughs> I just have to organise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if there's a car, yeah. then there's a way. <laughs> I know, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't, oh. I couldn't move the flights. I just had to cancel them. So, yeah, it's funny how things work. But yeah, I'll be there next year <laughs> with any luck. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Michelle. I've yeah really enjoyed 
uh, chat. Um, and thank you again for all your time and, and sharing all your insights. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Um, absolutely. Anytime, anytime at all. It is so nice to hear from other Australian language lovers and language learners who are all around the world. So, um, yeah, an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, And if you have identified with some of the things that Michelle's talked about today, especially her, her emotional connection with learning a language or even some of the languages that Michelle has learnt and you're learning them too, there is something about that that you want to let us know about. If you want to send Michelle a message even, um, do get in touch with us. You can contact us via the website at languagelovers.com.au. Um, you can also find us on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram, languagelovers.au, um, where you can also get in touch with us there. And we'll be popping Michelle's details in the show notes as well so you can find her website um, and her channels as well. And Michelle, actually, do you want to just give a quick shout out to your website and your Instagram handle? I think I know them off by heart, but you're probably better to do them yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we sure. are huge fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my website is theintrepidguide.com. Uh, and on Instagram, I'm at uh, intrepidguide. Uh, and same on Twitter at Intrepid Guides and yeah, Facebook that Intrepid Guides. So yeah, whatever you type in, you'll definitely come up. You'll definitely find my details in Google if you get any of that wrong. But yeah, and all your amazing photos as well. We didn't even get a chance to talk about your photography oh, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> thank next you. chat, next chat because it's yeah, very impressive. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I do. Um, I do love taking photos. It sort of just uh, came out of travelling and wanting to capture places a bit better than just on my phone. And yeah, I enjoy it. It's good fun. Yeah. Well, thanks again, and thanks for tuning into Language Chats. And we will catch you next time. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, bye. Thank you.